This is Fair Issues on the Mormon Faircast. This week's article is entitled, Keeping the Faith, What Was the Liahona? by Michael R. Ash, read by Ned Skarsbrick. This and other articles by Michael Ash can be found at DeseretNews.com. This article was used by permission of the author and the Deseret News. When Lehi exited his tent one morning, he discovered on the ground a round ball of curious workmanship, and it was of fine brass, and within the ball were two spindles, and the one pointed the way whether we should go into the wilderness. 1 Nephi chapter 16, verse 10. Later in the Book of Mormon, we read that the ball was prepared by the Lord and was called the Liahona, which is translated as a compass. Alma chapter 37, verse 38. Also see 2 Nephi chapter 5, verse 12. Critics were quick to ridicule the Liahona, claiming that the magnetic compass was unknown in 600 B.C. There are several problems with this assumption, however. As Robert F. Smith points out, the function of magnetic hematite was well understood in both the Old and New Worlds before Lehi left Jerusalem. Magnetite, or lodestone, is, of course, naturally magnetic iron, and the word magnetite comes from the name of a place in which it was mined in Asia Minor by at least the 7th century B.C., namely Magnesia. Smith also notes that a non-LDS Mesoamerican specialist, Dr. Michael Coe of Yale University, has suggested that the Olmecs of Veracruz, Mexico, were using magnetite compasses already in the 2nd millennium B.C. This is based, Smith writes, on Coe's discovery during excavations at San Lorenzo, Tenochtitlan, of a magnetic pointer which appeared to have been machined and which Coe placed on a cork mat in a bowl of water in a successful test of its function as a true floater compass. Secondly, there is no reason to think that the Liahona operated like a magnetic compass. According to the Book of Mormon, directions were given, at least in part, by what was written in the ball. 1 Nephi chapter 16, verses 26 and 27. We also read that, unlike a mariner's compass, the Liahona operated according to the power of God and the faith of those wielding the compass. Verse 8 and 1 Nephi chapter 18, verses 12 and 21. Nephi tells us that the directions were given upon the ball led him to the top of a mountain as well as the more fertile parts of the wilderness in his hunt for wild game, 1 Nephi chapter 16, verses 13 and 30. As Dr. Paul Chessman once pointed out, Lehi's compass indicated the direction in which Lehi should go. The mariner's compass only tells the traveler which way is magnetic north. From the book Lehi's Journey, the Book of Mormon, 1 Nephi, The Doctrinal Foundation, 1988, page 244. Thirdly, the word compass also means circle or round. In the King James Bible, for instance, we read that from thence we fetched a compass to come to Regium, Acts chapter 28, verse 13. 
the interlinear Greek-English New Testament renders the passage, Whence have gone round we arrived at regium. In either case, the Greek is interpreted as circle, round, or compass. One of the primary definitions of compass is round or circular. In fact, the word compass seems to be just the word to describe the Liahona, and Joseph Smith obviously used the words from his vocabulary to express the ideas on the plates. As Dr. Hugh Nibley has observed, the word compass has two basic meanings. One, to move together, always referring to a pair of things in motion. And two, to enclose, embrace, stop completely, circle, or round. This second definition refers to the motion of making a circle. Either way, the word compass could correctly refer to the liahone because of its round, ball shape, or the motion of the arrows. Lastly, we find that the Liahona compass fits neatly into old-world traditions. Nibley shares the findings of one non-Eldia scholar who engaged in the study of bellomancy, which is the practice of divination by shooting, tossing, shaking, or otherwise manipulating rods, darts, pointers, or other sticks, all originally derived from arrows. According to this study, pre-Islamic Arabs consulted the Lord through the tossing or manipulating of pointers. Thus the Arabs believed that through such divination, the Lord instructed his people. The pointers or arrows had inscriptions upon them which gave the people their instructions. The instructions on the arrow themselves, notes Nibley, give top priority to travel. The usual thing was to consult the things at a special shrine, though it was common also to take such divination arrows along on the trip in a special container. The message of the arrows, which were mere sticks without heads or feathers, were conveyed by their pointing and especially by the inscriptions that were on them, giving detailed directions as to the journey. Non-LDS scholar Tifad deserves our thanks for having called attention to this interesting and forgotten gadget in 1958. But how could Joseph Smith know about it in 1829? If you like this podcast, you can help promote it by subscribing to it in iTunes or by rating it and writing a review. Post a link on your blog and Facebook page and tell your friends about us. Questions or comments about this episode can be sent to podcast at fairlds.org or join the conversation at fairblog.org. Michael Ash is the author of the book Shaken Faith Syndrome, Strengthening One's Testimony in the Face of Criticism and Doubt, as well as the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Both books are available for purchase online through the Fair Bookstore. Music for this episode was provided courtesy of Lawrence Green. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or that of Fair Mormon. Thank you.